0: Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, presented by Scout Logistics and Symbol, your stock market for sports. Let's start there, Sam Ekstrom. You think that the uh, Vikings stock is up signing Delvin Tomlinson, since um, last night when we recorded, you did not get a chance to give your Delvin Tomlinson opinion. So uh, what do you think? Stock up or not signing a run-stuffing defense attack.
1: Well, I don't know that that Nick Vigil signing might bolster the stock. I don't know about Dalvin Tomlinson, <laughs> yeah, it's but true. no, no um, you know, you talked about it with Eric Eager. We did a Purple Insider extra about it on YouTube. Um, and my thoughts haven't really changed throughout the day. I think he comprises a very fearsome tandem with Michael Pierce on rushing downs. I think the defensive line shapes up to be pretty good if you can retain Daniil Hunter. Still don't know exactly what they're going to do on third and long, whether they kick Weatherly inside. I mean, it's it feels like they're going to draft somebody to add to the mix. Um, and we'll get to this later. They probably aren't bringing back Afadio Denebo. So there are still questions to answer on the defensive line. I, I think he's a good player, but he's also expensive, and he's also redundant. And this feels like Mike Zimmer still reacting to Week 16 against the New Orleans Saints when Alvin Kamara – Ties a record with six touchdowns. They give up the most yards in team history, most rushing yards, like or like top three most rushing yards ever, and they get embarrassed. And Mike Zimmer calls it the worst defense he's ever had. And it still feels like this is the fallout to that. Like Mike Zimmer, who back in 2014, like led off in his, his introductory press conference, we're going to stop the run. And he did that with Linval Joseph for so many years. They tried to replace Linval with Pierce. He didn't play. They got embarrassed for a year, and now they're doubling down. And they're going to do one thing really, really well, but I don't know if this is like the panacea to their defensive problems. They have many leaks, and I don't think this solves all of them. So while they will have a very beefy, like beyond beefy, like we're talking like ribeye, Chateau-Briand um, cut of stake here. This is still, I think, a flawed defense, and they've spent most of their money. So I like the player, and I don't love the contract.
0: So what I can figure right now, messing around with Over the Cap, they have about $5 million to work with, and there's probably an Adam Thielen thing coming, a restructure, and maybe a Harrison Smith contract extension, keeping an eye on that one. And and you're right, it is a lot to put into it. They also cut Shamar Steffen, by the way, uh, today, which I guess we'll talk about. I mean, is there much to talk about? Like Shamar Steffen, a guy who definitely played here more than he should have and who was decent in a certain role and not decent in another role, and that's why Delvin Tomlinson is here. And also— I'm I'm surprised they
1: didn't have, like, a press release with emotional quotes from the GM and the coach and teammates as they do with with star players when they leave. I kind of half expected that.
0: It's really hard not to snark about this, and this is not Shamar Steffen's fault— that he was talked about as if he was what? I mean, like like Linval Joseph is kind of how they talked about him. Like, you guys do not understand how good Shamar Stefan is and Andre Patterson once compared him to Tim Duncan. And we we're like, what? I mean, are we talking about the same guy? Like, (laughs) Linval Joseph was worthy of that, hey, you know, you don't understand how much he does for this team. His 2017 season was one of the best nose tackle seasons of the last decade. But not Shamar Stefan. He's a nice Role player who they gave too much money to to come back and then gave way too much responsibility to and should have gone out and gotten another nose tackle. Let him play three technique and maybe done a better job uh, with the defensive tackles last year. But a good move or at least an expected move to just let go of him. Although this gets us into and then I'll circle back, but this gets us into that. Well, yeah, you can let Jeremiah Searles go, you can let Jerry right go, you can let this guy and this guy and this guy go, and then, whoops, someone got hurt, and you don't have any players anymore. And that was one thing that Shamar Stefan was good at. If someone was hurt, if someone was banged up, he could come in for a game or two games and do a good job and be an NFL player. 16 games was too much as a starter, but now... It's, okay, Armand Watts, or is James Lynch a defensive tackle still? Is he on the team still? I mean, right? Like, what's behind these guys is a pretty big question, and who they're going to rely on to rush the passer in passing downs also a big question. So that's where I'm at is a similar spot where I like the player a lot. I I like that when you read about him from things that the New York media says about Dalvin Tomlinson, you see that he's a very high IQ player, a high character guy, a tenacious player, like a nonstop, high motor, all those things that you like to go along with just good at his job, one of the better run stuffers in the league. The yeah but to that is a couple of guys got signed who do similar things today Derek Wolf, three-year contract, $12 million. He was the second-best run-stuffer by PFF, and he's going to make $4 million a year. Also, Malcolm Brown was traded and then signed. Uh, He plays for the Saints, another situational run-stuffer, two-year deal for $11 million. So what you're paying for one year of a run-stuffer is what other teams are paying two or three years for a run-stuffing defensive tackle. And that's what makes me wonder, did you reach to overpay to make sure that you got somebody on day one who could improve your defensive line? He certainly does that. There's no question. Going from dead last to even a top 25 player, which Delvin Tomlinson is, is a humongous jump. And there is a domino effect. I don't doubt that at all. But when you look at the numbers that similar players got on paper, my question would be, all right, do you see something in this guy that says he can pressure on first and second down because teams are throwing the ball 50 to 60% of the time on first down.
1: And you don't really have a tandem at defensive end that tells you, okay, we might not get pressure up the middle, but you know, when we had Everson and DeNeal, we were going to get pressure off the edges. And now you're like, well, we might have Daniil, and we don't know who else we have. I I find it interesting that the team did exactly the same thing as last year. They had limited funds, and they spent them on a nose tackle or a run stuffer. They're they're claiming this is a three-tech signing, but it is sort of a converted nose tackle or a hybrid at least. And they're spending, you know, 8.5 against the cap this year. That's a pretty sizable number compared to some of those other deals out there. But I guess this is a tenet of the Mike Zimmer defense. Like, we shouldn't be shocked. Look at one of the first guys he signed when he got here, uh, Linval Joseph. The second Linval Joseph left, they tried to replace him, sort of apples to apples, with Michael Pierce. And now, is this like the ultimate Michael Pierce insurance? Oh, if Michael Pierce doesn't play again, we've got somebody in reserve. That, that kind of feels like what this is. And then if they both play together, it's going to be a tour de force in the middle. But doesn't necessarily help your susceptible pass coverage. Doesn't really help your susceptible end position. I, I think they'll they'll be fine uh, at, like, nose tackle depth with Armand Watts. You know, obviously Tom Linton and Pierce can be a little bit interchangeable. I think the Shamar Stefan release was sensible and save the money. And it it takes the sting off that cap hit for Tomlinson, but three tech still, I mean, Jaleel Johnson's not coming back. Let's be honest about this. James, James Lynch barely played in his rookie year. So do you have a pass rushing three tech today that you'd like? I don't, I don't know who that, and and if, and I thought O'Denable might've made sense too, and maybe they can bring him back at a discount. I thought he would have made sense as sort of a edge, three-tech hybrid like he's been in his career. And the word is they're not non-tendering him, so they might not have that piece. I'm even more confused about how they're going to get after the passer from a pressure standpoint.
0: Uh, well, I would not count on Afadi Adenabo coming back because he tweeted, as we speak, we were wondering what news would come out as we were talking. Do you have and a breaking so news sounder of some I'm, kind? Like I'm going to need one. We've got a bulletin from Twitter. It's Afadi Adenabo, and he tweeted, well, I forgot my sword at U.S. Bank Stadium. Daniil, DJ, you guys can have it. Thank you, Minnesota. DJ, DJ. Who's DJ? Wanham. Oh, DJ Wanham. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, see how much he factors into in my mind the <laughs> pass rushing, I guess. Maybe he should. Maybe he should more. I, I think he'll be in a rotational role with Weatherly next year and maybe someone they draft. Uh, but that pretty much signed, sealed, delivered, Afadi Adenabo not coming back. Signing Stephen Weatherly, letting Afadi Adenabo go, I'm not sure that I'm on board, Sam. I mean, I thought that Afadi Adenabo – Proved that his ceiling as a situational rusher and someone who moves around on the defensive line was pretty high, and they didn't do that with him last year, which I thought was a mistake. He was at his best when he was lining up over the guard and then just going after the quarterback on third down. That's where he got a lot of those, what was it, eight sacks? Uh, the year before, and he was just the pure, you are the defensive end every play, and that didn't work out as well for him. He still ended up with 42 pressures, which is solid. Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but it was the best on the team. Uh, So just letting him walk here, maybe there was a contract difference of opinion that he didn't, want just to sign the RFA tender and wants a bigger contract and want it to go. But if you're giving me the choice between him and Weatherly, I think he proved that he could be better in that role than Weatherly was.
1: Well, he jumped Weatherly in the rotation in 2019. So that's evidence. Number one, evidence. Number two, they let Weatherly go like uh, to, to sign a pretty cheap deal in Carolina. It's not like they couldn't have, have tried to make an effort to get him back. Um, and there was a stretch last year, and I know it's poor statistical analysis to choose an arbitrary range, but there was a period where he was getting like four or five pressures a game. You know, that's that's what really good edge rushers do, and he didn't sustain it for a full year, but he also had very little around him as well. He didn't have a Daniil Hunter taking up attention on the other side, but I would have preferred him as the inside pass rusher to Hercules mata Sometimes they had Johnson in on third downs. Um, they, they had some weird interior combinations last year. Like, why is Armand Watson on third down? I, I didn't understand some of those moves, but that's what they rolled with because maybe they didn't trust their end depth. They just It was a mess on the defensive line last year. It would not have cost them much to at least offer Odenabo the tender, the, the original round tender. I might have the decimal point wrong here, but I think it was around two point one or two point three million. Correct. Two point one. That that is not expensive by any means. And if another team signs them to an offer sheet, the Vikings get a seventh round pick out of the deal. So what would have been wrong with that? I don't fully understand, because they paid Weatherly two point five. So Um, you got me. Maybe, maybe they just believe that what, or, uh, Odenabo's value is so much higher that he's going to get signed to like three years, 15 million. And they, they think they couldn't have afforded it. Uh, still don't know why you don't put the tender on him. So I'm, I'm befuddled.
0: I'm a little befuddled too. Uh, other than we're just trying to save money and wanted Steven Weatherly back because we see him as a better fit going forward than Odenabo. But the numbers don't really point to that, that Odenebo's performance was objectively over 2019 to 2020 better than what Steven Weatherly did. So I'm kind of left to shrug my shoulders here at why you would want to be short one guy, unless it is DJ Wanham that they really believe in. And so they're saying, all right, let's bring back Weatherly. We don't want to sign Odenebo to a long-term contract, so we'll let him go. But one thing they can't really afford to do is let – go anybody who can play on the defensive line and again not a superstar but can play can be effective um let me just run through some other things here that are worth talking about one being um that Daniel Hunter put his Vikings photos back on his Instagram does this um
1: does that matter to you Sam does it does it titillate me um <laughs> well, not, no, no no that was not my question <laughs> that, no. <laughs> that is not what I said I, I follow about two Vikings um on Instagram and Daniil Hunter is not one of them, but I'm glad people alerted us to this this hard hitting breaking news. Unfortunately we have to become social media sleuths in this era. Um, first it was it was the Twitter investigation. What is he tweeting? What tweets is he liking? Now it's the photos. I feel didn't Harrison Smith do this at one point too? I think there was something around the trade deadline last year where where he it all turned out to be white noise. He didn't, I don't know, he unfollowed the Vikings on Insta. I don't follow that stuff. Um, I'm I'm glad other people do, though. I'm glad that, that, like, we can outsource the work to our loyal following.
0: I would like to point out that Stefan Diggs' tweets were weird before he was traded, and they have been weird after. He was traded. They were always weird. And that was why I thought, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with any of this. But it turned out that, and uh, the Bills' general manager admitted this on a podcast, that when they saw him tweet, it was time for a new beginning, that's when they picked up the phone and called the Vikings. So, yes, we have to sort of take them seriously, but I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from it. Like, well, uh, maybe that's a sign that things are going in the right direction, but I can't definitively say that based on his social media interactions. And some players have so much money that somebody else does their social media interactions. Very hard to say. Now, I do get the sense that Daniel Hunter does his own from the subtweeting, but, um, that yeah, I don't know what to do with that. I would say, Sam, that they need to figure it out, With Daniil Hunter because all these things, the Tomlinson signing won't look anywhere near as good if they have to move on from Daniil Hunter or if this thing gets really ugly. And 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 we're going into August and we're ta- and then letting O'Denable go. If you're talking about DJ Wanham and Stephen Weatherly as you're starting defensive ends going into the season, but hey man, you got some really big human beings at, at defensive tackle. Well that's not gonna be very exciting. If you start talking about a defensive line that includes Daniel Hunter who, in my opinion, does deserve to have his contract redone, even coming off of the injury. And I know people will say, but he signed it and everything else, right? But you only have so many years as an NFL player to earn. So you have to maximize what you can get. And it wouldn't be wise for him coming off an injury to play without any guarantees. So it makes sense for him to fight this fight and try to get more guaranteed money and stuff going forward. Let's say they work that out. Then you have Hunter, who you know is very good. You have two defensive tackles who are very good at their jobs, and you can draft someone, whether it's multiple players in the third round or whether it's a first-round pass rusher, and then rotate in Stephen Weatherly, rotate in DJ Wanham. All of a sudden, you go from being maybe the worst defensive line in football last year to pretty good. I mean, you might be on the cusp of being a top ten in terms of overall talent. That's a huge swing from having Hunter and not having Hunter.
1: I tweeted this earlier today. I looked at the week six starting lineup for the Vikings. Defensive end, Yannick Ngakwe, traded. Defensive end, Fadio Denebo, non-tendered. Defensive tackle, Shamar Stefan, released today. Defensive tackle, Jaleel Johnson, who, by the way, I looked into this. He was like 132nd out of 137 in run defense. Uh, probably not coming back. He's a UFA. So you are going to do a complete overhaul. 100% of that starting lineup gone. Um, The trade obviously happened last year with Ngakwe. Some of it's happening right now, but it's clear that they're, and Mike Zimmer's been signaling this for for a while. It's clear that they needed more pass rushers um, or defensive linemen. They haven't really gotten the pass rushers yet other than Weatherly. Um, They focused more on stopping the run. And I still think this is the, these are the tremors of the Alvin Kamara game sort of lingering here, but the more time goes by, the more I think I'm expecting an edge rusher early in the draft. I just I can't see a route where they don't find someone to partner with Hunter early-ish in the draft. I don't know if it's first round, but I think it's third round at the latest. It, it's just leaning that way to me. Well,
0: trust me, I have offensive line questions, though, that are on the way. So that's still maybe the leader in the clubhouse right now, considering that they don't have two starting positions and haven't signed anyone. But what popped into my head as we were talking about Jaleel Johnson, quick ranking from you, most delusional players you have ever covered. Jaleel Johnson is not number one, but he's very close. He called himself in a press conference a great player uh, this year, This year, and he tweeted at us that we didn't know anything for questioning whether he would have a key role on this year's team, which he wasn't supposed to, by the way. Uh, It just kind of worked out that way, but he was not supposed to. That was supposed to be Michael Pierce's job, not his job, and seemed like by his social media interactions and the way that he would talk as if he believed that he was on the cusp of stardom and that – could not have been any farther from the truth. I think he's on the cusp of the CFL.
1: Um, I've got three, and I want to spit them out before I forget. For delusional players, Mount Rushmore. So if Jaleel Johnson's on on the mountain, the other three would be uh, Bucky Hodges, yes, L- yes, Laquan Treadwell, and yes. Kyle Sloter. Gosh, they they all right, join him. Right
0: on, right on, absolutely, <laughs> one thousand percent correct. Absolutely correct. I mean, Kyle Sloter was hands down and his family the most delusional that I've been around because he would get mad if people said he wasn't going to make the team and tweet them and his family would send us emails and we'd be like, look, the head coach said you can't even get people lined up right. What do you want me to say? It's not personal, Kyle, but he would take every interview and each time would talk about how he wanted to compete for the starting job and all those things incredible. Laquan Treadwell called himself a hundred catch receiver once after catching 20 passes in a season. What? Like, <laughs> But I'll give you the one, I'll give you the most delusional guy that doesn't make the Mount Rushmore because he didn't play for the team. And I'm trying to think of his name and I hope you can help me here. The CFL guy who said that he wouldn't sign with the Vikings to compete for a backup job because they told him he wasn't taking Kirk Cousins' job. Like he came and talked with mm-hmm. the Vikings, and now I can't remember the guy's name.
1: Yeah, didn't it, wasn't it like one of those hyphenated last names? Like he had <sighs> he had three names. I'll look this up. Um, it wasn't
0: it wasn't McLeod Bethel Thompson. No, Bolievi Bo Mitchell.
1: Yes, 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 by yes, Mitchell. Mitchell. Yes, yes.
0: Bo yep. Levi Mitchell. It's one of my favorite stories ever. Has a chance to come to an NFL camp. If you get a backup job, the least you can make is like a million dollars. And if you're good at it, you can make $20, $30 million of American money, which is worth more than Canadian, I think. And sir sure. <laughs> like – I mean, but think about Chase Daniels' career. This man never plays football and has made $30 million. If you think about what you make at your job, let's even say you're in charge of your company, how much money you're going to make. You probably do really well for yourself. You can have a house right next to Lake Harriet, right? That's not even close to $30 million for doing nothing. And yet, this guy was like, if you're not going to let me take Kirk Cousins' job, what? You were, the guy they the guy they signed to an eighty four million dollar contract who was in the Pro Bowl like okay Bo Levi or Bo Levi Mitchell yeah which a, come, which comes good, first it, it doesn't the, matter
1: Bo Levi or it does not matter oh doesn't yeah. matter
0: at all so That's humorous. anyway speaking of quarterbacks oh and being delusional and and some I already know some people aren't gonna like this. You can't make fun of the Bears for signing Andy Dalton. You just can't. Not when you went seven and nine with one of the most expensive quarterbacks in the NFL who's kinda like Andy Dalton. Not and Andy when Andy
1: Dalton beat you, by the not way. Not
0: when Andy Dalton beat you, and <laughs> not when Andy Dalton has four ten win or more seasons in his career when he played for a good team. You just can't. It is funny, but you can't make fun of them, Vikings fans. That's the way I'm saying it. it's yes, it's funny. I can do it. And Sam, you can do it, and we're going to in a second. But Vikings fans cannot laugh at the Bears for their quarterback situation because you're looking in the mirror. Except for their guy is twenty
1: million dollars cheaper. Bear, Bears have a first round pick, yes, number twenty, so they can they can draft somebody if they want. Um, sounds like the Russell Wilson thing fell through. And from the conversation you had with Lauren Cox uh, of PFF and Locked On Bears fame didn't sound like that was ever that realistic to happen. The Seahawks are now reneging. They're saying there's no intent to trade Russell Wilson. Like, were the Bears banking on that being their only recourse? Like, we we got Russell Wilson. He's in the crosshairs. And were they stunned when it didn't work out? And then they had to, to fall back on Andy Dalton? Is that what happened here? Because that seems like maybe an overestimation of your ability to woo a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't know. Am I am I wrong here?
0: Here's my guess at how this went and how it goes. The Bears had no idea that Russell Wilson would want to play for them, is my guess. And all of a sudden, they see Schefter's tweet like everyone else and goes, oh, my God. Like, hit the, the panic trade everything button like they're making phone calls to everybody in the organization. Who can we trade? How can we move space? Make this happen. And – they make the phone call and they get together the offer and Seattle just says, sorry, guys, we don't have another answer at quarterback and you can't give us one. If there was a team that was making a deal, like you mentioned uh, Vegas that could give them a quarterback, then it suddenly becomes more interesting because, you know, you're not being left out in the cold. So Seattle says no. And then the bears say, well, what if we use that trade offer to move up? in the first round. And that is my guess is that the bears got Andy Dalton to be their Ryan Fitzpatrick, their bridge quarterback, and that they will be making all the phone calls in the world to try to get Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, whoever is the one that drops Adam Schefter, I think said today, he expects four out of the first seven picks to be quarterbacks. So maybe they end up trying to trade all the way up there. Maybe they end up taking the guy who drops. That's the fifth quarterback. I don't know, but that's my guess. I don't think that they settle for Andy
1: Dalton. Yeah, that would be just bizarre to me. Um, I think that we're we're kind of in the era of, like, the, the highly compensated veteran bridge. Like, I, I think some teams are starting to realize that it's better to have, like, a very competent backup plan to your rookie because the rookies are not always going to work out. Um, and you don't want to spin your wheels for three years with uh, Sam Darnold, which, by the way, is is Pete Carroll okay? Like, did, did I read that he's interested in Sam Darnold potentially? Um, that was reported today, and that was flabbergasting to me. That's not even a word, but that's how I felt about it. But, um, uh, yeah, an, another veteran backup who gets to face the Vikings potentially twice next year. That seems like it'll go well for Minnesota because it always does.
0: Hey everybody, want to tell you about our friends at SimBull. SimBull is a new sports marketplace where you can trade shares of professional teams like stocks. So as we jump fully into free agency season, you're going to want to get in on teams now before your team's stock rises. Go to SimBull.app that is is S-I-M-B-U-L-L.app. sign up using the promo code PURPLE and get a $10 deposit bonus if you're a first time user and then you are often rolling here's how it works you buy stocks of your teams and when your team wins you earn cash payouts that are instantly deposited if you sign up for symbol you also get updates emailed to you directly with the trends on which teams are on the rise so check out symbol.app or follow them on twitter at symbol exchange and check out the marketplace for sports today Hey everyone, I wanna tell you about our friends It's Scout Logistics, and I really do mean it when I say friends. They are fans of Purple Insider over at Scout Logistics, and since they reached out wanting to support this show, I wanna tell you about what they do. Scout Logistics is just-in-time transportation for full tractor-trailer loads, and if you're wondering what that means exactly, well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, And we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. I think there's a comparison with Seattle to my marriage and I'm working it out in my brain, but I'm going to try it. Okay. Careful. Careful. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work this out. So, um, my wife and I, uh, like sort of got together randomly as most people do. You just meet through a friend or whatever. And then I was very lucky to have found such a great person. Right. And, uh, it, I would be foolish to think that it's worked out so great because I'm amazing, right? I'm more just lucky that it fell this way and then I have been the beneficiary of that. That is Pete Carroll with Russell Wilson. But if you get overly convinced that it's you who actually did it. So when she says, why didn't you take out the garbage? You're like, what? I am great. I am (laughs) perfect. I am amazing. I don't know what your problem is. Uh, that's what I think happens to football coaches a lot. When they get convinced that it's them, Mike Zimmer saying, I've never had a bad defense. Well, guess what, buddy? If you lose Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter, you will. Uh, Because it's not you, it's the players. And I think that uh, that's exactly what it is for Pete Carroll. Like, oh, well, I can bring in another quarterback and I'll just have the same thing happen. No, you won't. And I think that that happens a lot. And that's how mistakes get made by coaches and front offices. I remember reading quote, this is the all timer that the, some of the offensive staff in new England thought that Brady's success was because of their system. Like what? I mean like the, the best quarterback to ever play who can bring you back from down 28 to three to win a super bowl. Yeah. It's this. Okay, pal. Like that is the ultimate. You've just like, you know, taken a bath in arrogance and, there's a little bit of that, I think. When they start questioning Russell Wilson, that that's the feeling that I get.
1: Yeah, I I guess when you're in a position where you're constantly like out surviving your players and a lot of the personnel around you, um, when when you're seeing that much turnover, you start to feel like you are the foundation. Um, we, you know, we we probably feel as journalists like we're untouchable too, because all these players are like getting cycled through, and we're going to outlive them and. We're going to outlive the coach. But I'm, I'm guessing the coaches feel that way sometimes about their own jobs because, like, they'll probably be around longer than a lot of their players. Um, not in every case. I mean, a lot of coaches get the plug pulled after two years. But um, the, the good ones, at least, and, and I could see, you know, Mike Zimmer maybe feeling some of that with his defense. That That's 100% correct. When in reality, and we've talked about this, the Vikings just had an incredible 2015 draft that set them up on so many levels for a long time that was franchise altering. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure that it was the system that got them in the place they were.
0: That's right. The 2015 draft was lucky. You got stupid, crazy, insanely lucky. And you don't have to apologize for that because that's football. I mean, that's drafts. It's, I mean, the Chicago bulls got insanely lucky drafting Michael Jordan and they just don't have to say sorry to anybody. They weren't genius that the other guy got taken by Portland, but, um, You know, you have to recognize, though, sometimes where you got lucky when you're making decisions in the future. You won't find another Daniil Hunter in the third. It's not going to happen. Those players now get drafted in the first. It was a lucky thing that happened to you. It won't happen again. Stephon Diggs in the fifth probably doesn't happen again. So taking Stacey Coley and Rodney Adams and K.J. Osborne and on and on, like that's not the way to find the other guy. It's probably signing someone who can actually play or drafting someone in free agency. So that's one thing that I think that the Vikings have actually struggled with, this same sort of Pete Carroll thing, where they think, oh, it was our processes that so brilliantly built this. And that's not to say they have stupid processes. It's only to say that if you can separate the, well, you did a really good job with this with, whoops, you got stupid lucky with that one, and maybe we shouldn't try that all the time or rely on that. That's where I feel like they've made some mistakes. But I'm going to declare uh, the Vikings, Lions, and Packers the winners of free agency, period, because Russell Wilson does not play for the Chicago Bears. That's what Mm -hmm. I'm going to do. And it is hysterical that they end up with Andy Dalton when anyone could have had Andy Dalton last year, who was okay for Dallas and beat the Vikings. And instead they end up having to give him a lot of money and they end up having to give Nick Foles a lot of money. And still at the end of the day, we're playing Mitch Trubisky in a playoff game. Like their botching of this entire thing
1: is objectively stupid funny. And it's tough to believe that they're going to, pick right in the draft like think of think of the, the possibilities think of all the shrapnel that could be flying out of Chicago once once this is all said and done because what have we just discussed they they didn't get like a sweet veteran who's already good so now they're going to have to trade up give they just you know they just lost all those first round picks for Khalil Mack now they have one back they're probably going to give up a bunch more to get the fifth quarterback in the draft now, it might be Mac Jones, and he might be a bust. Think of the hilarious possibilities that fans across the country will be able to reminisce about throughout the 2020s. Um, it, I, I'm so excited about it, honestly. But
0: again, not you, Vikings fans. Sorry, you can't. You just yeah. can't. You just can't. Yeah. Nope. Stop
1: it. I see you. Nope. Don't do that.
0: No, you can't do Don't it. Bloke. You can't do it when Andy Dalton beat your quarterback last year. And, and in that very game, your quarterback had the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win, and uh, Andy Dalton was the one that registered the game-winning drive. So, sorry, you're going to have to hold off on that yeah. one until you win at Soldier Field.
1: And, yeah, you can't make fun of the Bears either just because, the you know, the Bears beat you with anyone at quarterback.
0: They've made the playoffs two out of the last three years. <laughs> I mean, right? You just can't. That's not somebody that you own or that you can dunk on. Not. Currently, not to and even not really for their history either, because like the Vikings have cycled in just as many quarterbacks uh, as they have, although cooler and more effective quarterbacks. But still same sort of story. Um, Why don't we get to some of these questions that people have asked? Why don't we? Why don't we? Um, Okay, so the discussion with Eric Eager last night on Delvin Tomlinson, uh, Rocco asked this one do we think that the Delvin Tomlinson signing is urgent or important? Like, did that role fall under those two categories? Because that's how Eric put it was he said that, you know, the Vikings have focused in recent years on things that were urgent and they've left important things kind of missing. So meaning like the wide receiver three or the nickel corner spot, or like, you know, th- those types of things. So I-, I think it would be urgent. Like their defensive line situation was urgent And that's how you end up with overpaying someone is when you have a situation that's urgent.
1: Did it feel a little bit, and I've got no clue what was going on behind the scenes, but did it feel a little bit of a panic move that, uh uh-oh, our alleged defensive end targets are off the board and we we want, this money's burning a hole in our pocket. Let's spend it all today and make sure we do before the clock strikes midnight. I, I felt like they were, they were, kind of hitting the panic button there because they were getting shut out of day one. It was going to be like a crazy quiet day for the Vikings. And we did the show yesterday about this time before the signing, talking about how that the team's just not a free agent destination. Like a lot of these guys have better places to go that have more upside and more potential. So they signed Tomlinson. Um, again, I don't know if it's that intelligent of a signing. I think, the urgency you felt wasn't even necessarily at that position. It was, I mean, it was more at the defensive end spots to me. So, I, I don't, what were the two options again? Urgent or what? Or important. Or so, important. Yeah, so like. I don't know if, yeah, definitely more urgent than important. Right. Um, I don't know if urgency is, I guess they felt urgency. I don't think they needed to, but they felt it for whatever reason.
0: Yeah, I I think that's an interesting way to categorize needs because, like, if your house is on fire, then it is urgent that you get some water to put it out. If your house has a hole that was dug by bunnies, you might want to, like, fill that in or something. That's important. Now, you can't let it go, though, because then it can get into the foundation and they can build nests and there will be problems for you. But, you know, it's still – it still matters, though. And that's like wide receiver three for me is they have looked at wide receiver three as, well, yeah, it's important, but it's the one we can let go. They've looked at left guard that way. Well, it's important, but it's the one we could left go, let go. Um, left guard has been pretty important. Even if you think yeah. uh, positional value, it's not quite, which is where our next question goes. Uh, from Tim, Rodney Hudson, question mark, an upgrade, question mark. The Vikings have uh, me uh, at the point where – uh, any offensive lineman available, I go eyeball emojis. Well, I'm the same way, Tim. Uh, Rodney Hudson would not just be an upgrade. I mean, that would be almost as big of an upgrade from Shamar Stefan to Delvin Tomlinson. Actually, probably bigger. But what do you do with Garrett Bradbury if Rodney Hudson, the Raiders center, who is, I mean, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but he's an all-pro caliber player, I, I just don't think that they have much of a shot at him because he's going to want the thing that's called money.
1: And Corey Lindsley signed for $12.5 million per year with the Chargers. So if if that's the bar, and Rodney Hudson, uh, I don't know his age off the top of my head, he's going to cost a pretty penny. So let, let's play this out. Let's say that they, they free up the maximum cap by restructuring Thielen, saving I think I've seen $8 million reported and Harrison Smith signs that extension and clears up I don't know seven more like they they might get up to 20 best case scenario available so you you can you could do one more big splash in theory and still have enough room to sign your draft class so is it possible? Yes, it's possible. Is it smart? I I don't know. Where do you think Bradbury would move to just one of the guard spots? I can't remember what he played at um at NC state before they moved him to center, but it would be the Line thing. Elf line got two years at center. Then they moved him um, and they have an opening at guard. So it's not the most absurd thing I've ever heard. It could be swung. It would just be, again, like you're, you're trying to fill this hole while you have other leaks in the boat that are going to be completely unaddressed. Um, You know, so again, pick your poison. I, It feels like a no to me. It feels unlikely, but not impossible.
0: I'm going to stand on the same place that I was with Brandon Sheriff, which was if you make a huge, huge signing on the interior of the offensive line, okay, okay, I will say okay. I'll say good. Do that because all the other times that you've had these chances to do that, they haven't, and it's cost them big time. And just once, you'd like to see how it plays out. And anything that improves Kirk Cousins' performance, his yards per attempt, his time sacked, his times pressured, his whatever, all that stuff, I'm for. Anything that improves it. So far, they've done nothing to improve it. We're only two days in, so no panic buttons. But if they were to sign Rodney Hudson and move uh, Garrett Bradbury to guard, that very much improves their pass protection. and. I would give it a thumbs up. Now you'd also be like one ankle tweak with Rodney Hudson away from, Uh Oh, you spent all your cap space on one guy who tweaked an ankle or opted out. Like you mentioned with Michael Pierce. Uh, Next question comes from Brandon. Curious the way that the wide receiver market is shaping out. Me too, man. I thought it'd be wide receiver bonanza. And yet we haven't seen too many guys go. Um, does that allow the Vikings to get a decent wide receiver three at a reasonable cost? I say, yes, I say that guy will be out there. I don't know which guy it is. Somebody is getting left out of this party where the music stops and there's no chairs left for that guy. So he has to sign with the Vikings.
1: Yeah. Amazingly the it's the mid-level guys that the Vikings might've had a chance at are they're the ones that are going. I mean, I think maybe some of these like golden Tate, for instance, Sammy Watkins, they might think they're worth big money, and that's why they're not signed yet because no one's paying them that. The intermediate contracts, like I wrote about, Kendrick Bourne and Marvin Jones. Bourne goes for three and fifteen. Jones goes for two and fourteen five. Tyrell Williams goes for one and four. Um, Emmanuel Sanders for one and six. I think they all could have contributed, um, and they're not getting paid a lot of money. So. I, you hope, I think, that this trend continues and you can pick someone up for for a cheaper deal because there are good names on the market. Um, you know, John Brown, I'm fond of him. Adam Humphreys, I think he's pretty good. Brashad Perriman has some upside, some intrigue there. Uh, we haven't seen Keelan Cole go off the board yet. That was a trendy target from Jacksonville. DeMarcus Robinson from Kansas City. Curtis Samuel still lurking. I think he's going to get paid a lot of money. But me too. But there there are some good names that I think would be content in a wide receiver three role that um, I'd keep my eye on. I think that that could be a sneaky area of value for them to capitalize. All
0: right, next question. Mackenzie Alexander, our friend Ben Gessling, reporting that the Vikings have some interest in bringing back Mackenzie Alexander. I believe he said offer on the table for Alexander. Now, uh, such a funny relationship with him and Mike Zimmer. So when Alexander got to Minnesota, he wanted to be an outside corner, and Zimmer was forcing him into the nickel role, rightfully considering where they were at. So Alexander hates that and is a pain in the neck for a year. And then for two more years, we got to hear about how his attitude had changed. Then Zimmer inexplicably plays him week 17 against the bears. He gets hurt and then signs for almost nothing in Cincinnati. If the wounds have healed. Yeah. I mean, he's exactly the type of guy we've been talking about someone who is a good player. And I know it's going to be, it's going to be a Tom Thibodeau thing where it's like, is he really bringing Derrick Rose to his next team? But, but that, you know, when it, when it is a guy who's good and, and not amazing and very affordable, Mackenzie Alexander, yeah, I, I'm good with that. And even if he wanted to play outside corner, he's probably an average outside corner, and Jeff Gladney could play inside. Give him whatever he wants. Bring him back because right now your situation is very
1: rocky. Um, I I agree with everything except give him whatever he wants because I think it's a pretty deep nickel free agent class. I wouldn't overpay him because Mikel Roby-Coleman, Kawan Williams, Brian Poole, um, Troy Hill, like all of these guys I think are better nickels and they're still available. So I'm not going to give McKenzie four if I can have someone else for two, because I think other options are better. So I'm going to wait this out, but sounds like they've offered him. So, so that, that ship might've sailed. I guess it's cut comes down to whether he takes it or not. Um, You know, could be a case where, Grass isn't always greener. McKenzie wanted to get out, probably held a little bit of a grudge about that week 17 injury, had like a really rough year personally. You know, his father disappeared, some bizarre stuff in Cincinnati, Um, came back and played decently late in that season. But falling back to a place where I think the Vikings desire his scheme knowledge, he knows the system, he's probably pretty comfortable, and maybe could fit into a bigger role than he had before, or at least in the same role in the nickel. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. But again, don't be over enamored with your own guys. There are really good nickels out there. Brian Poole is like one of the best in in football the last couple of years in the nickels. So if, if Alexander says, nope, sorry, guys, don't freak out because I think you can still get a nickel out there.
0: Folks, March is quite the month for Minnesota sports, and SodaStick has you covered with Minnesota sports-themed gear. The hockey team is headed down the stretch, so you've got to check out the Dollar Bill Krill shirts, and baseball is ready to get started. Go to SodaStick.com, check out the Touch'em All shirts, the Twinkies hats, and the Tomorrow Night hoodies. If you use the promo code Purple Insider, you can get free shipping. So go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. All of their apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. That is SodaStick, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Code Purple Insider for free shipping. Let me clarify, I didn't mean whatever money he wanted. I meant whatever role he wanted. If he wants to be that's what I meant. If he wants an outside corner spot and you play Jeff Gladney inside, then that's okay with me. I I didn't mean cash. Cash really matters in this scenario. So if he wants twelve million dollars, McKenzie. Yeah, right, right, right. I didn't mean like back up the Brinks truck for Deshaun Watson and trade everything and give him whatever he wants. I mean I just mean if he wants an outside role, I think he would be fine at it. He's probably a better nickel. But you just need average corners right now on this football team. And at the moment, probably only place a bet on one actually being that. That's at the moment. We'll see how they go. Uh, How about this one from Aaron? What player uh, will be the biggest free agent signing regret? And I think that means for every team and not just for the Vikings. I'm going to have to think for a second on that one. The biggest free agent signing regret. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've seen this tossed out there. The Bengals letting Carl Lawson go and basically giving that money to Trey Hendrickson. That that could be a bit of a regret cuz you've talked about Hendrickson playing in that pass-only role, not really a three-down guy. Now he's getting, you know, 60 million from from Cincinnati, although his guarantee was low. Only 16 million guaranteed. 16 million and they have an out after one year. So I guess they structured it team-friendly, good for them, um, because it seems like Carl Lawson was the better option there. What about um, the the tight ends in New England? That's a lot of money to give two tight ends, and I know they're trying to to recreate the Gronk and Hernandez dynamic, but is that going to work out?
0: I was just going to use the words New England. I was just going to say that it's very possible that they regret all sorts of things from Mm -hmm. what they've done because, you know, the team that goes out and signs every free agent doesn't necessarily end up winning. Absolutely. There is some benefit of the doubt with them because they have been good at this in the past, of bringing in free agents. But also Tom Brady was, I think, a part of that. So – any team that paid a lot of money on day one has a good chance at regrets. But you're right about Cincinnati and Carl Lawson. Like you probably let the better player go and sign the less good player for about the same amount of money. Um, so, yeah, I, I like that answer. One last thing. Keanu Neal, his name was tossed out there by Josina Anderson as the Vikings. I forget what words she used, like checked in or have whatever – you know, favorited something on his LinkedIn. Like, I I don't know. There was some language about the Vikings and Keanu Neal. Uh, I'm in with that. I'm good with that. You know, he does have an injury history, but he played all of last year and he's a good, good player. He is a good player Um, playmaker, but something really concerned me though is someone else tweeted that Keanu Neal was willing to play linebacker if they wanted like, well, that's not exactly what you want to hear, right? Like that someone you're going to pay to be a safety is also like cool being a linebacker. Uh,
1: yeah. I know that linebackers are going light. I don't think you need a 215 pound uh, linebacker. I think, I think Keanu Neal has got enough, enough uh, challenge, just tackling guys in the secondary. We don't need to get him playing linebacker. That that's, Tr- Troy Dye was rough enough last year. Let's be honest <laughs> Yeah, this.
0: No, that's true. That's true. But, yeah, I'm into that. I, I, I mean, I'm into them checking out the safety market. There's a bunch of guys. And there's no hurry, I think, with safety because those mm-hmm. seem to be the players who are about the last to go. So, all right, Sam, I look forward to, and I'm looking at my Twitter right now just to check. I look forward to whatever move happens right after we finish up this podcast. So great stuff. Uh, we're going to have Arif Hassan on the Friday roundtable. So that's when we will talk again and we'll continue our coverage. Courtney's going to stop in and uh, all sorts of things will happen. Corey Heppela is going to come by, too, from WCCO tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow. You'll hear it the next day. Whatever. It doesn't matter. There will be podcasts, everyone. Okay? So thanks, Sam. Awesome. You bet. It is awesome.